as an industry, we made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures, but there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James, and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games, as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Jess Samet, currently the deputy editor at player2.net.au, and formerly UX designer at Mighty Kingdom. So join us as you explore our journey. So today I'm joined by fellow player to editor, no nepotism here, Jess, how are yeah. you? Hi, I am good. I am excited to be here on this podcast that I have obviously never heard about, ever. No, no, I never, I never shouted out in our editor's chat and talk no. about, you know, this guest, that guest. I get to jump in the chat afterwards and shout out that, oh my god, Jess Salmon is on the show. <laughs> the Jess Salmon, oh my god, yeah. The one that's um, in this chat with us all the time. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wild, but it's fun. It's fun to talk about something different. Yeah, we've it. Well, that that is actually an interesting facet of I think this conversation. Like you and I obviously talk regularly within our little editor space and whatever sure. about you know the current games, what we're playing, with the reviews, uh, like all editorial sort of bits and pieces. But here mm. we get to have a totally different sort of conversation that I think is going to be really fascinating. And I think like even some of the questions before we get to kind of the career side of things will be really mm. cool as well because. I think some of the conversations about you know early gaming and those sorts of things well before actually doing anything professionally is something I don't know if we've necessarily discussed prior. No. So um, I'm kind of keen to hear some answers in that particular space. But yeah, thanks for thanks yeah. for coming aboard though. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm chuffed to be here. Awesome. Let's do it. Uh, Let's do this it. is Dev Diary, a series where we talk to developers from throughout the industry. They share their stories, their experiences, and the journey has led to this current point in time. Jess. We're going to get to all the awesome career stuff shortly and all the different, mm-hmm. like there's a range of different kind of pillars within this industry that you've been involved in, which is um, a really, really fascinating things, things that you're still actively engaged in today. But before mm-hmm. we get to all that, as I said, we'll, we'll get to a point well before and talk about some of the first gaming experiences you've had. Do you, do you remember what your first game was that you played or what some of the first games were that you played? Um, I, look, I do. I remember, I, I couldn't quite put my finger on exactly what was the first one. I feel like it's going to be like, the weird Carmen San Diego spelling game or something oh, yeah, on, yeah. on PC that I used to play as a kid. That's a solid starting um, point, though. Yeah, but I remember the, the strongest memory that I have is um, I got a Nintendo 64 for Christmas for, I think, like, I was, you know, four or five. Like, I was, I was really young. Um, and I remember my dad plugging it into the TV, and uh, I got Super Mario 64. And the audio was working, but not the picture. And so I remember just spending the entire afternoon just sitting, listening to Mario on the start screen on a loop, just being like, let's go, it's me, Mario! Just like, press start! Over and over, because I couldn't do anything else with it. Um, And that will stick in my brain forever. But yeah, Nintendo 64, early days, Super Mario 64, um, what remains my favourite game of all time, still Ocarina of Time, you know, a classic. Um, I mean, cycling back to Mario, like, how much time did you spend just grabbing and dragging that face in oh. every every possible direction. So much. As soon as I like the picture came on screen and I was like, this is what I've been missing out on. I could have just been playing with this face the whole time while listening to this. <laughs> um, yeah, so much time. Um, cool. And every time I was like, maybe this time it'll stay because I was like four and didn't understand that it was never just going to stay in place. No. Um, you know, so 
it was yeah it was great and you mentioned uh ocarina of time there so that's still the favorite still the favorite um look i'm not even gonna say it's the best zelda game um which is maybe controversial i don't know but i breath of the world well i mean i think that um sorry i was just doing i was doing my yeah, <laughs> you're doing your, anti- doing your oh yeah, yeah. Sentiment. It's a great game, but it's not a Zelda game. Damn straight. Says Paul every I day. I did drop that. I didn't. I dropped that in the the overall chat recently, and there was mostly silence yeah. in response. So I don't know if people <laughs> were just willing. I was no, understanding this was a hill I was willing to die on. Or not. Yeah, you're committed, and I admire the <laughs> commitment. Um, no, look, I I think that Wind Waker is the best Zelda game, personally. Oh, that, awesome choice. That's my choice. Um, there's just something so like I don't know, hopeful about it, like. I love Ocarina of Time. It is my favorite because I have memories playing it that, you know, it's one of my first games and Nostalgia Factor. And it's definitely the game that I've played through the most in my life. Um, I have played it more times than I have played anything else. And I did it again recently. Um, Are you still playing like the 64 version or are you, you know, taking it on on the 3DS with that little half remake? Um, I did play the, the remake, um, when it first came out on 3DS. Um, recently I was playing it through Nintendo Switch Online, playing on the Switch with the, like, I bought myself the, um, the controller, like the wireless Switch compatible. Oh, good on you for actually getting your hands on one, because I keep looking at that Nintendo store and it's always sold out. I was so lucky. I must've just like happened to look at it the day that they released new stock. Um... Because I missed out the first time too, and I was really sad about it. So I was like, I want to relive my childhood. My time um, will come. Yeah, time. <laughs> the time will come. They'll they'll come back, and you too will experience yeah. the joy. Yeah. Of that. So. Frankly, yeah. awful controller that yeah, we oh really God. only love because of the nostalgia associated <laughs> associated with it. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like my housemate, she's like, "Oh, it's the best controller of all time." I'm like, "I don't have a third hand to play this controller with." I no. Yeah, that's 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 a bad call. Like when you can only <laughs> hold two thirds of the thing at any given time, it's not. Yeah. No. No, I I just never used that D pad unless I was playing Pokemon Stadium, and then it, menu, it would ask me menu to... navigation. Yeah. Yeah, menu navigation and this one like Clefairy mem- uh, memory game that you oh, used to play. Yeah. <laughs> just a deep cut for you. <laughs> that's a deep cut. Yeah. Um. Put that on Pokemon's... NSO Nintendo. Yeah. Right. Um, I think Pokemon Stadium's either on there now or it's coming. It might be there now. Yeah. <laughs> Your face. Yeah. Sorry, just spat uh-huh. out my drink a little bit. So exciting. That's awesome. Right? Oh, well, we'll, we'll get to that then. Yeah. Um, oh, this changes um, everything. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, how did, you, how did your taste start to develop from there? I mean, were there any genres, franchises that you really clicked with? Obviously, Zelda is definitely one of them. But, yes, um... Zelda is, is definitely one of them, and it was the the big thing that made me feel like, you know, <laughs> games could tell these huge fantasy stories um, that uh, were, were really exciting to me, you know, as a kid, looking at that being like, wow, this is incredible, and not understanding how far graphics were going to evolve from from there. It's um, so lifelike. Yeah, so lifelike, oh my god. Um but yeah, I, I guess I have always kind of liked a bit of everything. Um, I am an only child and all of my friends and, you know, cousins and whatever people I would hang out with as a kid were way less nerdy than me. Yeah, so right. I definitely played a lot more single player games than I did multiplayer. Um, and that kind of carried through. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. They're, they're the best ones. Um, and that, yeah, that definitely kind of carried through like i said before i i played like the carmen san diego spelling games or whatever when i was little and that kind of 
developed then into a love for like where in time is Carmen San Diego and these sort of like puzzle solving adventure kind of games. Um, and as a kid, I played a lot of like Monkey Island, like Escape from Monkey Island, and then that was the first one that I had played. And then I pretty quickly went back and played the originals that everybody believes Acclaimed, are, yeah. you know, better. Um, so it's always been, yeah, like adventure, um, whether that be point and click or like, you know, big open world games or whatever. Anything where I can kind of um, immerse myself in a story or um, be a huge nerd and, I don't know, critically think my way through problems, um, I guess. Yeah, so it's never it's never been about the big... Um, kind of online multiplayer games for me, which I know for a lot of people it's really formative. Like, I played Halo with my friends as a kid or whatever, but, um, yeah, never kind of went down that path. Always went down the story games, um, puzzle games sort of road. Well, no, I'm a bit the same as you. Um, I mean, I did have those Halo experiences or whatever along the <laughs> way, but it's more like saying, like, I had that experience. Okay, tick. <laughs> yeah. And, like, I tried it and I, and I moved on. Um, and I mean, a lot of those things are obviously, I mean, Halo's obviously Xbox exclusive and um, the Call of Duty's kind of came on the scene or really started to pop off when I was kind of north of 18 and mm. was already kind of in my own lane in terms of the games I wanted to play. So I never yeah. really gave them too much time then. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 100% with you in terms of those sort of tastes. And yeah, I had those little experiences along the way, but was pretty happy to move on yeah. and focus on the, on the solo stuff because that's where it's best. That's where I've also just for the first time noticed that banjo, and no one's going to be able to see this, but that banjo kazooie in the background, and I'm yes. loving it. Yeah, banjo kazooie. It's one of the little I can't remember what they call the they hold your controller the essentially. Hold the control, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's holding my like Xbox um Pride controller. Oh yeah, um, from last year. Yeah. From yeah, from last year. Um. Oh yeah, I love banjo kazooie. Banjo kazooie again. One of those Nintendo sixty four like formative um games, and like the music from those games is the music that just plays in my head when I'm kind of just idly doing nothing, like Banjo-Kazooie yeah. or Ocarina of Time or whatever. Um, I mean, next to Banjo on the shelf is an Ocarina that came oh, with yeah, that yeah. Um, 3DS version yeah, of Ocarina of Time. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. Good times. Look, Microsoft, just to be crystal clear, and I think you've heard, mm-hmm. heard it hopefully loud and clear already, but uh, I think I can speak on behalf of both myself and Jess. If you just mm-hmm. put out a Banjo game, we might be yeah. more willing to, I don't know, Stop being deemed to be Sony ponies and all that sort of yeah. stuff. We might come to your uh, come to the party a little bit. One hundred percent. Right now, you're letting the team down because we need that bear, bear and bird again. We do, we do, and like, I don't, I don't know if it's a controversial opinion to think nuts and bolts was like fine. I feel like people either love it or it's, it's like fine. Yeah. yeah, but it's it was fine, but it's you know it wasn't it didn't recapture the magic of those first two. And I just, well, that's the thing. I, I think it's fine for what it is, but it's not what. Mm. Uh, this sounds like I sound like I'm dropping my Breath of the Wild argument again. Like it's yeah. it's, it's fine for what it is, but it's not what yeah. Banjo Kazooie is. So well, it's like everybody saying when Black Flag came out, they were like, "It's a great pirate game, but it's not a good Assassin's Creed game." That was the general feeling about Black Flag among yeah. the circles I was in. Yeah, I can see it. I guess. Yeah, I can see <laughs> that. See it. Yeah. So how did um. How did it go from a point of you know consuming games and mostly single player stuff to actually some sort of interest in being involved in the industry? And obviously, as I highlighted before, you've, I mean, there's the, there's the written side, and we'll get to that shortly. There's, um, you know, game development. You've got uh, represent me as well, and that's obviously got a, yeah. uh, got a focus within uh, within the, the game of gameiverse. Game of sure. Uh, <laughs> game just, games industry. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it's kind of rooted in that, I guess, at its core as well. Um, yeah. 
but how did yeah how did it go from a love of just playing games and consuming games to actually like okay i want to get involved in this space somehow yeah so i feel like when i was growing up and it probably was just the sort of people I hung out with and I guess the things that I was exposed to, um, I never considered. Like, I loved games and I played them all the time and I, you know, um, it was a huge part of my life, but I never considered being part of, you know, the industry that creates them or... um, Or writing about them or... Right, well, yeah. Um, And I guess, you know, it sounds silly now to think about it, but I guess I just never believed that I could. Like, I, I didn't really believe that someone like me would be doing that, I guess. Yep. And partly a gender thing, I think. Like, I kind of looked at that and was like, yeah, boys are allowed to it's make a boys video club. games. It's a very male-dominated yeah. thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, and I felt like that for a really long time. Um, and then I remember I was kind of towards the end of high school and I was watching Good Game um, on, on ABC. Yeah, on ABC. On ABC. Um, and... They started to show developers on, on Good Game as being a little bit more diverse. Um, and then Hex started being a reviewer on, on Good Game. And I was like, wow, here's this this woman and she's super cool. And people are listening to her opinions about games and, like, taking the fact that she has played games her whole life kind of seriously. Like, maybe this is something that I could do and, and talk about. And um, when I was younger and still now, obviously, I always liked to write. I've always loved writing. Um, and so... The idea of writing about games was really appealing to me. And I guess once I had this, like, tiny bit of insight into, like, yeah, maybe you can. Like, maybe this is something you could do. Um, it was sort of in the back of my mind. Um, weirdly, it was just kind of a, a coincidence. Uh, a guy I went to primary school with um, used to run a small Australian website called um, Select Start Media. Um, and he posted on Facebook being like, hey, I'm, I'm reviewing all these games. There's like too many for me to write about. Does someone want to come on board and write about um, point and click adventure games for me? Because I have this huge backlog of point and click adventure games. Um, and obviously I was like, yeah, I love point and click adventure games. Like, why not? Um, and I was in my third year of uni and I was studying psychology and I had way too much on my plate. And so obviously I thought, yeah, what would be a really good idea would else? be, yeah, yeah would t- to add some pressure and add, add some more stuff to the plate. Um, but I, I fell in love with it pretty quickly. Um, I started playing games that I knew I would love. Like I, I started with a genre that I really liked, but from there I pretty quickly branched out and started playing all these games that I never would have picked up by myself if it hadn't been given to me for review. Yeah. Um, and I think that was really eye-opening for me, I guess, is that I was like, no, I actually can find something to love in all of these games, even the ones that I didn't necessarily think were for me. And it, it sort of fostered this, like, broader love of, like, yeah, all, all games have, you know, benefits, all games have downsides. And it sounds really simple to say to just kind of talk about it like that, but it was, yeah, it was um, very eye-opening, I guess. And and from there, it's just kind of grown as, you know, yeah. I started writing about games and then I started doing a bit of, like, freelance stuff and I wrote a couple of things for um, Hyper and, you know, PC Power Play when that was a thing and um, for, like, Junkie. And this was all kind of towards the mid to late 2010s, I guess. Yeah, what do we call it? Um, teens? Yeah, t- t- uh, teams. Yeah, um, and yeah, I, I guess I don't know. I just discovered this love for writing about games, and 
it wasn't until kind of a bit later that I started thinking that I could be involved with making them. Yeah. Um, that still was something that was kind of kind of abstract to me because when you hear about game dev, you know, for for me at least, the stuff that I was exposed to kind of growing up, it was like, oh, they're programmers or they're artists or they're people that have these grand creative, like, visions of games that they want to see made and, you know, they're visionaries and... Um, because that's what the media puts out there, right? It's, it's yeah. always like, who's the who's the face, like, kind of the, the quote-unquote face of this thing that is um, being presented out there and can explain it. As you said, that, that grand vision that... Mm. Um, I think a lot of people then lose sight of, and I'm talking, you know, people on the consumer sort of side and yeah. we were both there. Um, yeah. you lose sight of, well, actually, you know, it's, it's, it's a team of dozens, hundreds, thousands in some of the biggest uh, developers and publishers cases that actually make this thing a reality. So yeah. sure. There's that kind of visionary at the top or mm-hmm. God, if we hesitate to use the word auteur in some cases, <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, it's got to be delivered by a team and, mm-hmm. Yeah, there's there's a lot of pieces to that team. The programmer can't do all of it. The no. artist can't do all of it's yeah, yeah. And I I kind of the more time I spent in the industry as a critic and journalist, the more I would meet people that had slightly different jobs in the games industry. And I guess it kind of opened my eyes to what was possible. Which again sounds silly to me now looking back because now I'm like, of course there are all of these different roles. Like of course in these huge companies. There are all of these people doing these different things, but it just wasn't something that I was privy to prior yeah. to sort of being in it. Um, Let alone the fact that kind of this, our, our local scene is um, still relatively relatively small. We obviously have some yeah. huge indie successes and all those sorts of things. Um, mm. Our AAA space was decimated with the, the global financial crisis 15 yeah. years ago or whatever that was now, um, mm-hmm. which also feels crazy that was 15 years ago. Yeah, wild. But, um like that's you know that that obviously knocked out so many of the big hitters and we we get a f- only a couple now um mm-hmm. yeah and that's that's hopefully on the rise we hear reports about the way things are being financed that's going to continue to rise which is awesome for the local mm-hmm. scene yeah but um yeah it's easy to go well okay you know it's really a country led by the indies and when it comes to an indie team it's not just somewhat like it is a bit close to what we were talking about for where your person you you might have a team of three or four and so those those yeah. three or four people have twenty different jobs that they're doing <laughs> each. Yeah. Yeah. As exactly. opposed to that more narrowed sort of focus that, mm. that you were able to take on. Yeah. Yeah. And to get there again, it was still like several steps removed, I guess, from like I came in as the journalist. I, I sort of found a, a home there. Um but I guess as much as it, it started to become apparent to me that there were things that I, I could do, that there were different sort of pathways, um, I also remained super aware of the fact that I was a woman, um, a queer woman who was, you know, deeply anxious as a person and um, not kind of, uh, I guess, part of several different, like, marginalised groups, I guess we, we, we would say. Um, and, and consequently so... continue to sell yourself short, I say, as someone who <laughs> gets to work alongside you, you know, quite regularly, absolutely sells yourself short. Um, I mean, thank you. Um, I'm working on it, sort of. Um, but, yeah, so, like, I, I kind of became aware of it, and then I was like, even knowing that this stuff is out there, I also became aware of how hard it would be to kind of it's move past space. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so... Still working, or still primarily doing journalism, um, 
I started to meet some people who were working in like the diversity space and who were talking on panels at PAX and stuff about how they wanted the industry to change and how it needed to change. And I was like, oh my God, me too. And they were people that were kind of like me. Um, so it was really cool. That was kind of a big moment to find these people that we had this shared goal of like, this is an industry that we love and we can still love it while believing that it could be better and yep. wanting people who might be kind of more like us not to have to approach the industry with this view of like, oh, you know, I guess it's possible, but not for someone like me because I have all of these extra hoops that I have to jump through and all of these extra hurdles. Um, so, yeah. So even before the, the actually working in dev stuff, I guess, came for me, the desire to shift what game dev looked like um, was already sort of in motion. Um, and yeah, from there, I, I mean, I met Alana Cole, um, we, well, she founded an organization, um, called Represent Me at the time. It was Queerly Represent Me. She was using it to work on her, um, PhD to create like a database of, of queer games. Um, me coming into it, so rapidly grew. Um, I, you know, I, like I said before, I studied psychology. Um, I loved data and research and so I came into it and I was like, you have this whole database, like, can I help you do analysis on this database? And she was like, sure. And so together we started doing research together and, and putting together all this data and then it, it kind of snowballed, I guess. And it went from being just this this database that she was using for her PhD to being, you know, a much, much bigger database of like over 1700 games or something. And, um, you know, we wrote papers and presented them at academic conferences and then eventually we wrote a book um about diversity and inclusion in, in the yeah, game make industry. sure to promote it because it's still out there for people, <laughs> yeah. so please plug well, away it's it's called cooperative gaming and it came out in 2020 in obviously what was a very weird year for everybody hellfire a hellfire <laughs> year um so sometimes it's hard to piece that kind of put, put that into the whole puzzle because it's like it happened but it happened it at a awesome time achievement, when we couldn't but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Couldn't sell, uh, quite celebrate it properly. Um, we had an Animal Crossing book launch on my island. I put together like a little uh, stage, a set of chairs cool. and stuff. We invited people to come to our Animal Crossing island. Um, yeah, I feel like I think that there was a question that you asked me at some point, and I've just started talking and telling you my whole life story. So yeah, that it began with uh, <laughs> like the gaming experiences and translating that over to actually getting involved in the scene. And now yeah. we've touched on like all of the big three kill- all key <laughs> I'm pillars. So, sorry. so it's fine. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll rewind back to, I guess I'll, I'll kind of compartmentalize a little bit and um, maybe focus a little bit more on the writing side before we bounce, sure, let's uh, do bounce that. further yeah. from there. Um, so obviously you, you highlighted kind of, you got your opportunity through the point and click stuff there okay. with, uh, with select start. Yeah. Um, you obviously then also mentioned along the way that there was, you know, getting some of the other experiences that were kind of that penny dropping moment. Do you recall, you know, what was, was there one game in particular or was it still a, a culmination of a few where you've gone, Oh, Oh God. Okay. <laughs> There's actually a wider realm out here that I actually do enjoy, despite the fact that I thought maybe I wouldn't or am keen to explore more of. The times that that has happened, like, that has happened a lot more in recent sort of years with games that I would have thought, oh, yeah, that's that looks kind of cool, but I wouldn't necessarily have gone for it. Yeah. Um, which are games that you and I have 
discussed previously, like yep. um, like Death's Door, oh, was yeah, like yeah. kind of a big one where I probably wouldn't have gone for it by myself. So good. Um, so good. <laughs> um, or I guess, uh, hmm, what else? What else have I played that I didn't expect to like? Like it, it's just kind of. I don't know if I have any like favorites that have come out, although. <laughs> I guess I'm thinking about things like recently I played Horse Tales, which I probably wouldn't have done on my own time. Look, that became, um, and no offense to Horse Tales, that became a bit no. of a recurring joke on the back end for us as well. So <laughs> there was there was no way that that wasn't going to happen. So no, um, yeah, or like uh, like the Dark Pictures games, I guess, yep. which I probably would have gotten into anyway because my partner really likes horror games, and so. I now play horror games, I guess, which is not something that I did when I was younger. It's this bloody Player um, 2 outlet that's doing it to us, though, because you, yeah. for you, there's, play, uh, for, there's dark pictures. For me, it was when this could end up being a dogpiling session on Matt Houston if we're not careful, <laughs> but like when Matt Houston threw um, Resident Evil 7 at me. Oh, God. In, and I that... wanted nothing to do with horror, especially Resident Evil. I'd had some experiences I did not enjoy, not because the games games were bad, but yeah. because I couldn't cope with the horror. I'm a, I was a massive wuss. Yeah. And then he tossed me Resident Evil 7. And yeah. not only was like like he, it was on PlayStation, and if you recall, Resident Evil 7 has a VR mm. mode. Mm-hmm. So not only yeah. did I have to play and review the game, and I, I did, but I also then had to toss myself into VR to play it at very, like oh, I God. finished it I finished it traditionally first because I wanted to know what I was in for yeah. then went back and played it in VR as well and that like the whole experience traumatized me but also made me fall in love with Resident Evil yeah and like since then and the arsehole's given me Resident Evil 2 remake he's given me Resident Evil 3 remake <laughs> uh, I, like I, I don't know we'll see what happens when 4 rolls yeah. along um, yeah like, uh. it's, it's, it's been a bit of a thing since but like he you know mm. it was an opportunity like that that Mm. opened my eyes a little bit and there's yeah. been little things along the way and I think I think those moments are cool because yeah you you'll often find yourself keeping to your own lane and the things that you enjoy mm. and and feel very comfortable in but then yeah. something comes along and potentially changes that perspective for whatever reason yeah That's um cool. yeah those was, as well yeah yeah it's it's definitely like yeah um I'm trying to recall every game that I've ever reviewed which is why my brain's just working overtime but things like um like Titanfall, like Titanfall 2, I remember I played for review yep. and I never would have touched that um, had it not been for review and I really enjoyed it. Um, awesome I, I, campaign. Yeah. yeah, awesome campaign. Um, things like uh, um, like Yonder, which was... Oh, Cloudcatcher Chronicles, yeah. Yep, Cloudcatcher Chronicles. Um, that was pretty early. And, and even going to like PAX and having that motivation to try out a bunch of different indie games... Um, yep. and play a bunch of demos and stuff that I think I wouldn't have naturally pushed myself to play had I not been doing it with this view of like, oh, I have to cover indie yep. games and, you know, I-, I want to make the time to cover indie games because I want them to be covered. Um, I remember before I went to PAX, it might have been the first year I went to PAX as media, playing the demo for this game called Ghost of a Tale. Which was about like a little. <laughs> I lo- I, uh, I'm, bi- I'm biased here. I backed that game. You yeah, backed yeah. it. Yeah. That was a, oh. not a Kickstarter. That was an Indiegogo. Oh, an Indiegogo. Yeah. All um, the way back in like 2014, and and it was just announced like two weeks ago. Yeah. They're doing a sequel. They're doing a sequel. How good is so, that? Very very excited. Yeah. We'll get. We'll, um, I'll get Seath on the show at some point. Yeah. 
do and i'll listen to it it'll be oh. great <laughs> um it's gonna be awesome yeah um so you're just i don't know just just stepping out a little bit and it i feel like it's given me a much broader understanding of games and like games systems and different expectations that people have from different genres and i mean we'll talk about that in a minute presumably yep. when we talk about game dev but yeah. um yeah it's it's been I, I mean games are cool game games are cool you know very much so <laughs> yeah i mean like you you kind of half went with the segue there and i'll, I'll lean properly into it um yeah yeah, th- that collection of different experiences obviously is is huge when you're starting to move into into game dev itself because mm. there are so many different aspects that you know perhaps the layman or you know just you know standard consumer doesn't necessarily mm. think about like how well this element that we typically associate with this mm. particular genre or whatever is something mm. we can implement here in this way and we can use this in you know X Y Z sort of ways to actually create a better experience but you know whether it's quality of life or just um, mm. a, a handy gameplay mechanic that actually you know, changes things up a little bit. Um, yeah. So, yeah, translating all of that across to to game dev and um, working with Mighty Kingdom. Mm-hmm. What was it? What was it like? Firstly, I guess, firstly, getting the opportunity because, yeah. As, yeah. as you as you said, um, you've been writing for a long time. You've been mm. uh, with with Represent Me. You've been talking about the ways in which we can kind of diversify the the industry more broadly, the content itself as well, and then actually being able to be involved in the industry in the act of creating games. How Mm -hmm. did that? How did that go when you first jumped in? We'll um we'll be more delicate about the end, but um, (laughs) yeah, yes. But when when you first got the opportunity, when I first got the opportunity, I mean, it was it was surreal. Like it 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 was. Incredible, um, because I I spent such a long time and I you know I was writing and I was doing this diversity work and I I loved it and I still love it. Um, it's all stuff that I still do, but I always felt that I was kind of on the periphery. Um, and because I didn't have the game design degree and I didn't have like these programming or art or whatever skill the traditional skills that you view as being a stepping stone or yeah. being sorts of traditional roles, um, I genuinely didn't know how I was going to make it happen because. You know, like many industries, it's often even for junior roles, you need some Some experience. experience, And usually the way that you can kind of get around that is you do a game design degree and you do an internship or whatever. And I didn't, I didn't have that. Um, I did have a lot of knowledge of the industry and a lot of knowledge of different kinds of games. Um, And I did have some experience being um, a consultant, like a diversity consultant on some games. Um, But getting companies to see that as you know useful and even transferable skills yeah transferable skills like my day job i was a teacher or like a a university teacher teaching university classes yeah yeah um and i love that too and i think that there were a lot of skills that i was getting from that as well that i i think were really transferable but again it's hard because getting someone to see that is um you know difficult um so when, when I actually got my job, I remember I applied because um, Jason Imms, who is a big figure in the games industry, we all know we all yep. love Jason, <laughs> um, was working at Mighty Kingdom at the time and really encouraged me, you know, you should apply. And at the time it was for QA because that's what he does. And I have a lot of um, experience, like I said, in data and in running tests and, and scientific kind of testing and stuff. Yeah, grand. So QA seemed... Yeah, it seemed like the the 
best stepping stone, I guess, or even the best place for me to find a, a home, you know, I, I was looking to, to be in QA. Um, and he was so encouraging to me in a way that few people had kind of been, or at least few people that were in positions that might genuinely help me, help, yeah. I guess, like genuinely help me to find a role. Yeah, because um, I can be all supportive, but I'm useless to get yeah, you in there. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm look, trying to give you a platform now, but it's already too late. <laughs> you're already doing it. Um, no, it's great. And, and like, obviously, there have been a lot of people in my life that have been really supportive, and it's been amazing. But it was cool to get that backing from someone who was in that position. Um, and then actually getting my job was a weird kind of um, really fortunate turn of events, I guess, because I interviewed for QA, um, and at the time... After I had already submitted my application, I found out that they were also hiring for a UX researcher, which wasn't a position that I had seen come up very much in Australia, because there's not yeah. that many of them in Australia, um, particularly, you know, in games at least. Um, so it wasn't even something that I had really considered for myself, even though it was this perfect um, marriage of my skills, I guess, being yeah. able to do that that testing. And yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, look at things kind of critically and, and scientifically. And yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Data-focused, etc. Yeah, exactly. Um, and when I was in my interview, they were like, oh, we're also hiring for this thing, and it seems like you have a, a background in, in research, and, you know, would you like to interview for that? And I was like, 100%. I would love to interview for that. That sounds incredible. Um, and so I met, you know, the guy who would go on to become my, my manager and boss for the next year and a half, and... Um, from the start, it was, it was so incredible to be able to do this job that was like, here I am and I'm spending every day being, you know, paid a living wage to, to continue to live, to also spend time with people that love games and, um, understand games and genuinely have this look that they want, uh, this outlook that they want games to be diverse and, um, to create games that are gonna kind of matter to people and and inspire yeah um and my you know skills were being taken really seriously which was really really cool for a person who is as you mentioned before not great at advocating for myself not great at you know talking about my own skills um and i'll look after myself there i said selling yourself short (laughs) (laughs) yeah i feel like what you said maybe maybe sound worse (laughs) sorry sorry no (laughs) Um, look, other people have said that to me, so we'll just, right, we'll just okay. put, yeah. I'll, we'll bundle them. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, it it genuinely was very surreal to be like, I'm doing this, this is happening, I'm contributing to the way games are being made by sharing this history of, you know, understanding what different genre, genres look like and understanding what people look for in games coming from the position of like a consumer sure but also from all of these years looking at games so critically um and it was very cool to be able to to kind of do that and to feel like that was valued by by a team and um yeah to to be able to use those things that i wouldn't have necessarily thought would allow me to contribute to games being made um in a kind of very real everyday way yeah. Um, yeah. It was. It was magic. I mean, making games feels awesome. It's yeah. And I guess. I guess for those listening, um, mm-hmm. what 
who may not necessarily be aware what mm. games because because the nature of the role um yes. can can kind of i guess you'd be touching potentially a lot of projects at different times what mm. what what projects were you involved with that were in a position to talk about of course Yes. So there were a couple that I'm not in a position to, to, to talk That's about. Fine. Um and they were very cool and I learned a lot of really, really uh amazing the skills are still from those. Good, and, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um and I got to work with some incredible people. Uh the first game I got to work on was Conan Chop Chop, which was um yeah, very, very cool to get on board when I when I did. It was going through a lot of changes at the time that I joined. Um and sort of finding its feet, I guess, with some new direction and um, kind of new features and stuff that were being added. And I was able to come in and use some feedback that they've gotten to, to really work out what those changes were that, that needed to yeah. be made and help the team kind of figure out what direction that they were going in. Yep. Um, and I played a very small role in what was, a, you know, a, long, a long-term project, but it was still... Very cool. I mean, it's a fun game. Um, it is a fun I, I game. Think, at least. Was it, was it a weird out. experience for you? Because I, I distinctly remember the moment that we got a like we player two yeah. got our hands on codes, <laughs> and I mentioned in the in the chat. Yeah. And how did how did you react at that moment? Because like, oh. I guess where you currently sit is mm. not common. I would no. say within the game dev scene, like people have kind of. Uh, either completely stepped to one side or the other, whereas mm. you're existing still in both. Um, so what was that like when then just coincidentally, well, not coincidentally, <sighs> I guess you knew it was a matter of time, but like yeah. oh. a game that you were actively yeah. involved in is now mm. you know, on a colleague's yeah. PlayStation ready to go. Oh, so weird. It was so weird. Actually, that wasn't the weirdest moment. The weirdest one was when... Uh, we were organizing these like press events, I guess, and they were all online and we were having uh, an event where, and you were there, where yep. a bunch of Australian press were coming together to play a preview of the game and to see the game demoed and they were asking the devs questions and stuff. And on any other day, that could have been me and I could have been on that side of it, a person that was coming to preview this game and, and question the devs. You said you and, were delivering the preview. And, yeah, yeah, and I was on the dev side and I was delivering it and, and I was showcasing the game and I, all of these people who in other circumstances would be my colleagues were just suddenly completely not on the other side because it's not like it's a The opposition fight. is we're going head to head. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Head to head. Knockout. No. But like it, it was it was so strange to be the person that had all this information. And yeah. yeah. Um and it was it was so surreal and like it was scary like it was scary in that moment not knowing how people were going to react to it um and it was scary in the moment that you were talking about when it was like oh a code for conan chop chop is going to go out to a member of the team and i was like what if they hate it like what what if they hate this thing that we've spent all this time making and then i have to talk to these people knowing that i had a hand in this thing that they just all secretly hated um and, and i'm sure that didn't. that's well, no, you didn't, no. Um, which is which is great. Um, I think Sean and I might have made the longest player two plays to date still. Really? From from that from that game, and not because there's any sort of nepotistic element at all. No. It was just a really successful run that we went on. That didn't yeah, quite, yeah. It didn't quite culminate in the ultimate success, but it was a really successful no. run. So I think it nearly clocked in about two hours long. If I recall. Oh wow! Yeah. Good. I mean, congrats. That's impressive. And we didn't um, finish the job, but wow. I never have managed to either, and I've been <laughs> playing it, you know, a lot longer. And I made so, it. 
yeah. Um, yeah, so it was it was so weird, like, this absolute anxiety of, like, what if this thing that I helped to make is not, like, is not well-received by people who are doing a job that I usually do. It was this really weird conflict, yeah. and it, it definitely feels different to review games now, because I'm like, I know what went into this, like... It's not like I was cruel before, because, you know, obviously these things are hard work and you can see that from the outside. But, no, but when you identify, oh, I'd imagine, sorry, I guess this is yeah. me projecting, but yeah. I'd imagine when, you, when you're writing up a review and you pinpoint a certain element that doesn't click for whatever reason yeah. with you, or you, you know, might have been poorly implemented, quote unquote, whatever, mm. um, yeah. like that's an individual at least that worked yeah. on that particular aspect that... that like it, yeah. could, it could be a brilliant game. It could be a 10 out of 10, quote unquote. Yeah. Except for this one feature and that person's mm-hmm. going, oh, I, I kind of failed yeah. here. Yeah, whoops. Or could um, potentially feel that way. So No, that's it's, exactly, it's yeah. One. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely how it feels. And like, I'm, I'm super aware that I'm looking at games through a different lens now. Like, as someone, so, you know, I worked in UX and a lot of what I did was to do with like onboarding and... Um, tutorials and and making sure that people were playing the game I guess in the way that the developers were intending for the game to be played you know making sure that that experience was being conveyed in the way we wanted it to be conveyed um and so now when I play games I'm so extra critical of it like I like I'm still I'm so mad at Elden Ring because I play it and I'm like the interface and the UX of this game it drives me like mad like I'm so it's it's no, it's not the game I would have made, um, and maybe that's that's good. You know, it won Game of the Year at the Game Awards. Everybody loves wrongly. it, and yeah, I agree wrongly. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, it's definitely changed the the focus of what I look at in games and the how critical I am of aspects that I wouldn't necessarily have even noticed before. Like I didn't think about how good is this tutorial. I mean, I did, but not you know. To, to the level but, that I do but now. why is it so good? Or yeah. what is it they're doing well? Or what is it they're not necessarily doing here that would have been yeah. better? Yeah, that's yeah, that's a really yeah. cool lens to be able to continue to bring. Because, again, most people have then made the jump one way or the other and, and yeah. you're in both. So uh, please continue to share these little insights through through Player <laughs> 2, through our chats, whatever, because be, yeah. I'm, I'm keen to hear more of the hows and whys when, you, when we're conveniently enough playing the same game or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, something that we do semi-often, which is good. We do. Um, we have very similar taste. Yeah, which is to yeah. say good taste. Good taste, exactly. Again, to say yeah. Elden Ring shouldn't be game of the year. But yeah. anyway, um, <laughs> I, I digress. Yeah. Without, without wanting to get too in the weeds on the subject... Mm-hmm. Um, trying to be respectful to every all sides involved in the whole thing. Yeah. Um, obviously there was a fairly public um change. Yeah. There was with, with Mighty Kingdom. What was it? October. It was. It was. Yeah. yeah September. October. Like, very sort of very end of September, beginning of October. Yeah. Um. Without again wanting to wade too deeply into the whole thing. Um, yeah. Mhm. <laughs> like how? How does that? Because it rips through a whole t- like a whole team. Obviously, yeah. there was yeah. It, w- it wasn't just you. It was a it was a large number of it people. Was. Um, it was a large number of people. Um, and please and feel was... free to go as in depth or as little in depth as as you like. We don't need to. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it it was hard. It was really really hard. Um, because 
like I said before, when I started, it was magic every day. And I loved the people that I was working with and I loved what we were doing. And that feeling never really went away, you know? I mean, it's yeah. it's a job like any job and you have your frustrations and not every day is perfect. And, um, you know, it's it's not easy all the time. But at the heart of it, you know, you, you love what you're doing. And I, I really loved the team the that I was working work with. with. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I really believed in the, the values that Mighty Kingdom uh, spouse, I guess, of like, you know, people first and we make games with heart and this is all, um, it was very culture focused, you know, like we, we care about our team and, um, and I believe that they do. And I'm not, I'm not in any way saying that that's, that's not true. Um, there are so many incredible people that still work there who I love, who I would call lifelong friends, um, who are incredible at their jobs. There are so many people that work there that are, are so so good at what they do yeah um and that's that's i think what made it so hard is that it it was giving up this thing that i had worked really hard for um and you know everybody everybody's worked hard it wasn't unique to me um but it felt like such a long road i guess to get that first opportunity yeah um that it was really really scary to have that kind of just gone um Because you might and feel I mean, like, this... I haven't had enough time to yeah. really yeah, <laughs> yeah. lay roots um, and those sorts of things. Yeah, and I mean, maybe maybe this is getting too raw and too real. I don't know, but like, it's 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 rough. Um, it's rough to think about starting again. I guess you know when this thing that you're not leaving by choice. Yeah. Um, you're not leaving because you were bad at your job or because you know you you were doing anything particularly wrong. Um, something it's hard. out of your control has yeah, yeah. something out, out of your control has, has kind of taken it's it and it was a, a series of events that led to what happened and I obviously won't talk too much about no, that no, that's but, fine. Um, but it happening was quite a public thing so <laughs> I, I feel like to talk about the fact that it happened is not um, breaking anything but no I mean um, I, I certainly remember there was like reports popping up on, yeah. on games websites um and then I mm. can't. It was it was one of one of the well, I guess one of the other three of us editors. Like, mm. holy shit, we hadn't heard from you yourself. Holy shit, are you okay? Yeah. Um, and that um, like I, I'm sure even like that's not how you necessarily want to be. Yeah. Talking about these things or having these things, yeah, it's. It yeah, it was hard because it came out. Um, the news came out publicly that it was happening before any of us could talk individually about being the ones that were affected by it. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of weird to see everybody talking about this on this really abstract level of like, oh God, like I have friends at, at Mighty Kingdom and, you know, this this is really, this, this is bad news for the industry and this really sucks and what a blow. And, and stuck and silent. I, yeah, and I, I couldn't really talk about it. Um, and I get it. I It's because there was a lot going on internally at the time that, you know, didn't need to be talked about externally. Um, like it's, you know, it's a process when stuff like yep. this happens at, at a company. Um no matter the circumstances. Yeah, it's never it's just, instant. Yeah. 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 Um, but it was really weird to have people saying, you know, like, Oh, I, I hope everybody that I know is okay. And I'm sitting there like, I'm not, but <laughs> can't really talk about it. I can't. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it was rough. It was a, it was a really, really rough time. Um, but that said, I think that there's a lot that I gained from it. Um, Good. it still sucks. It still hurts. And I'm still sad that I don't get to uh, work with those people anymore. 
and that there are projects that I had a hand in that are now, you know, going on without me and um, I'm sad to not work on them anymore. Um, but it was a really big lesson in, uh, I guess, how supportive and how, uh, you know, incredible people in this industry could be um, because there was this general outpouring of support for everybody affected at the company um, and there were so many people that I knew on a personal level that immediately were like okay how can I help you like how how can I help you find a new job how can I get your name out there how can I introduce you to somebody who you might not otherwise be introduced to who might be able to you know help you with the next step um, and it was it was genuinely incredible like I, I was really emotional at the time just thinking about it you know it's that thing where I was Clearly it's not a lot, in a there's a lot there's a lot to take on at the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, you know, sometimes you're just in a place where when people are nice to you, you cry. And that's just how it is. But um but yeah, like it, I was so like flabbergasted by how incredible people were and how supportive the industry was as a whole. Um not because I didn't think that the industry was filled with amazing people, but I just they were so willing to go that extra mile to really support um, some of their own, I guess. And I, I felt this immense sense of like camaraderie with particularly the people that were in the same position I was. Um, that going through that with other people bonds you. Um, yeah, yeah, no, of course. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like trying circumstances, and I'm, I'm sure there's an exact saying that I'm actually butchering here, but mm. like in, in trying circumstances, it usually brings out the best and the worst in people. And yes. I guess what you've experienced and described there, but also what we seem to more often than not hear when there's, you know, unfortunate mm. layoffs or whatever the case happens to be mm. is this industry seems to be like the, the game development scene seems to be so good continually at, go, mm. at you know, grabbing each other kind of by the scruff of the neck and kind of dragging someone along if they need to help them get back on their <laughs> yeah. feet. Um, yeah. That bit's not the bit that I'm quoting at the end there. Like, no, that's, but that's yeah, but really. yeah. Um, yeah, but no, it's, 100%. And it's, like, it's it, awesome it was, to hear that that was the case for you too. Yeah, it was very much that. Everybody showed their their true colours, I guess, for lack of a, a better term. Um, and for more people than not, it it was for the better. Like it, People did things that I, I wouldn't have dreamed of asking for. It supported me in ways that I wouldn't have asked them for and they just kind of stepped up and did it anyway which was um yeah it was amazing no it's, it's awesome to hear and i guess uh in the in the meantime um it, mm -hmm. the, you've obviously spoken about the lessons that you've learned throughout yes throughout that uh, throughout that journey so far and mm -hmm. and yeah while it might be you know kind of unfortunate it has you even more equipped to tackle whatever the next opportunity ends up being which um hopefully yes. is is on your doorstep nice and soon <laughs> yes um, i hope so and oh. I guess that kind of starts. I mean, we've we've focused on the games writing, we've focused on the games development, mm. we've focused on the representation. We've, I mm. mean, is there is there anything that you really want to touch on a little bit there that we haven't perhaps covered? Um, look, as much as I've, we should. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I I've now looked at games from so many different perspectives. I guess like there's there's all of that stuff that comes together, and I think getting to work in game dev only opened that up even more. Um, so, you know, I, I would have thought of myself as a person that could do certain things and contribute in certain ways, but um, getting to be part of a broader design team, you know, like every time I tried something new in games, I loved it. And yeah. I, I felt, you know, drawn to every single aspect of 
what it is to make games. Um, so I think looking to the future, like what I would consider myself to be interested in and be capable of, I guess, is so much broader than what it was when I started. I should have just jumped straight to this Kingdom. question. This was going to be my next question, but you've done it perfectly. So I'm so sorry. No, you just, you've <laughs> just... Also, you're welcome. <laughs> no, you've, you've, na- you've nailed it. So don't, don't even worry about it. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, it's, you know, I, I had such narrow, uh, I, I don't even, I don't even know the words. Like I, I had such limited expectations and limited hopes, I guess, for what I could do. But now it's like, do I want to be a designer? Do I want to be a producer? Do I want to work in narrative? Cause I love to write and I love stories. Like, what do I want to do? I, I touched so many of these things while I was working at Mighty Kingdom. Um, and it feels like even though that, that door is closed now, the, the Mighty Kingdom door, being there opened so many more and yep. like revealed so many possibilities and it's that it's you would really... never have known about had you not yeah, been there. Yeah. Exactly. And it's scary, obviously, to be where I am now, um, not not kind of knowing what's next, but it's also it's really exciting because it's like maybe I'll just take a complete leap and do something totally different. Um I think what it has made me feel is that I don't necessarily know what I'm going to be doing, but I do know that I love games, I love making games, I love being around people that that make games and are passionate about it in the same way. And even having experienced firsthand how tumultuous the industry can be, um, I still want to be in it, you know, more yeah. than ever, I guess. Um, so it's it's a scary, exciting world currently. <laughs> I mean, it, look, it's, I think there's, it's an exciting time. There's, there's opportunities there that you may not know then. I guess that like that itself really kind of even describes that, that Mighty Kingdom time where you came in with kind of, I guess the belief of like, this is my little niche and this is where yeah. I'll be. But then as you said yourself, you got to touch on so many other disciplines along the way and yeah. um, opened up so many different opportunities there and different circumstance, but similar sort of possibilities there where who knows mm-hmm. what opportunities are in store. And uh, I mean, having now... I haven't worked with on the game dev side, but uh, yeah. you know, having worked with you now for a few years and 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 listened to you talk about games in our various podcasts, having seen mm. seen seen your words on a on a page, mm. you understand this 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 thing better than most that I've that I've spoken to, and um, so I I know personally without I don't know I don't know if anyone's going to be able to listen to this and go well they're they're colleagues like of course you know. <laughs> yeah sincerely. Mm. Um, you know this stuff so well, and and I'm I'm absolutely certain that that opportunity, whatever that opportunity ends up being, is is very close, and you're going to grab the the bull by the horns, and you'll kind of dominate it. So, yeah. but at the same time, you've got this fascinating perspective from sitting on both sides of the fence that, uh, yeah. I think, is only going to serve you well. I I hope so, and it, like I I you know we're colleagues, and people can take it with a grain of salt and whatever. But it genuinely means so much to hear you say that. Like that's such a nice thing to say. That's so kind. Um, I hope that I can bring those perspectives. Um, and you know it's it's nice to hear you say that. No, it's fine. It's just uh, next time I need a favour, I'll just yeah. No, I will just you owe me one. It's fine. I'll just add it to the spreadsheet. We'll just add it to the tally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. When when you get a gig at wherever this next place is, if you can just share all the little nuggets well before it's fine. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll edit that bit out because no one needs to hear that we've been doing such a thing. Um, Look, I kept nothing to see here. You kept a lot of secrets from us. I secrets and i totally so, respect like i respect you even more for doing so because i would not have blamed you in the slightest be like this 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 and like, 
cool. Yeah. I don't know what necessarily to do with this information, but it's kind of <laughs> cool to know it. But you didn't yeah. even didn't even give us didn't. that. So I didn't. So whoever's um, looking to hire me next, I am a vault. <laughs> I yeah, am locked. Yeah, NDA friendly. NDA friendly. Hundred um, so. percent embrace that one if nothing else but we've obviously spoken about many other awesome qualities that jess has so as we start to wind things down um we'll circle to kind of more you big picture not necessarily job specific stuff yeah is there anyone out there that really inspires you in the way you go about your work and the awesome thing is here that we've got obviously multiple different disciplines we can discuss here from the writing to the game dev to uh to the representation component as well Mm. um is there anyone or multiple people that you you kind of look up to that you work with or look at from afar um look yeah i mean every every day like every day i was at mighty kingdom i was inspired by the people that were around me who were so passionate about what they were doing um and of course there are there are people in the industry who um inspire yeah who inspire me like there there are whole teams that i look to and i think this is what i um I really want for the future of gaming, like, uh, I guess the team at, um, Don't Nod and what they're doing with Life is Strange and with Tell Me Why and, and the way they're really, um, incorporating consultation and, and really genuine and authentic representation into their, um, development pipelines. Um, I'm really inspired by the people who work, um, on accessibility at Xbox and at PlayStation now. They've just announced Project Leonardo, yeah, the, which yeah, looks so, so great. Um, anybody that's working in the accessibility space makes me want to do better every day. Um, so that was something else that I did when I was at Mighty Kingdom. I was really passionate and still am about um, accessibility and, and making games accessible and, and making sure that everybody gets to enjoy them. And so anybody that is working in that space is really... You're a legend. <laughs> They're, they're legends. They're, they're, yeah. Um, doing, doing really important work. Um, I think for me, it's hard to be inspired by any one person. And I feel like if I start listing people, I'm going to start forgetting people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously I already mentioned Jason Imms, who was an integral part of, um, you know, me feeling like I could, I could really get into this part of the industry. Um, Alana, who I do so much diversity work with, inspires me all the time. She's amazing, and I love what we've gotten to do together, and she has pushed me in the best ways to kind of continue pursuing my my dreams, I guess, and to to keep doing what we both feel is so important, um, even at times when that has seemed really scary, because sometimes it's really scary to fight for diversity in games, because, you know, not everyone wants it, and there's pushback, yeah. and yeah. <laughs> Um, and anybody that has helped support me in that and is also doing work in that space is incredible. It is so brave to put yourself out there and to fight a fight for somebody who might not be able to fight it themselves, um, to kind of put your own position at risk to, um, to make the industry better and, you know... Um, that's that's a scary thing to do, and I admire anybody that does that. And there are a lot more people these days that are doing it, and um, real change is happening, and we're seeing it everywhere. And um, yeah, so I think that's that's kind of an abstract answer, and it's you know not naming specific heroes, but no, no, but it's that's not an uncommon yeah. one though either. Like, and sorry, I'm not trying to say you're lacking originality no, no, there, no. but like it, it is one of those things that like 
regardless of whatever industries we might find ourselves in, there's mm. so many people we interact with. And yeah. especially when you're early on and ultimately mm. in terms of your game development work, it's still early yeah. days. Yeah, um, and the, the earlier stages are all about take, 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 take. And yeah. then you build up yourself yeah. at which point you're able to give back more. And um, mm. so naturally there's going to be heaps of, heaps of uh, inspirations early on in the piece. And that's, yeah. that's awesome yeah. to hear. Yeah. And of course, Matt Matthewson, who brought oh, no, me on board to, to play. It. No, we're gonna do it. Paul, Shit we're gonna be nice to chief. Matt. We're gonna be nice to Matt. He's a good guy, <laughs> and he's nice to both of us. And we're he's here because to, of him. He's Paul. got to stop. And this is gonna make no sense to most people watching, listening. He's got to stop appearing in our YouTube <laughs> ads and all those sorts of things. Yeah, I know. Getting... I saw him on Channel Nine the other day. Oh, so you you seen him on TV as well? It's getting ridiculous. To be clear, I was watching Pointless. I wasn't watching, I don't know, a number of other shows oh, on Channel I, Nine, but... I saw that show for the first time the other day. I, I love it. I love like, Pointless. Oh, that's, it's great. Um, that's a game show. It is a game <laughs> and show. And, and moved on. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Oh, but, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, Matt, fine. You, you're a decent bloke. You yeah. gave us all an opportunity. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> not too much, though. We'll, we'll save that for charity yeah. marathons and all those sorts of things. Yeah, exactly. Things. It'll um, be nice to win that. What have been some of the most valuable lessons you've picked up along the way? And whether that is through the writing scene, through the development scene, through the representation mm. side, mm. anything um, in particular? Yeah, I think what but I realise more and more every day is that games mean different things to different people. Um, and, like, you can know that um, on an abstract level and, and kind of be like, yeah, I like to play this kind of game, I like to play this kind of game. But I've had conversations with people where it's, been clear that like at their core the reason people play games is so varied like I you know I play games to feel immersed or to to feel it I guess um to like work through problems or whatever but you know some people play games because they love that frustration that that um idea of really butting up against the same problem over and over again and finally overcoming it um stupid element Elder, like Elden Ring. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's what sparked the conversations is that for some people it's that's perfect and, you know, it's an, an amazing mechanic. And for me, I, it's like banging my head against the wall and it, yeah. it's horrible. But me and a person who loves that, we both love games. And, you know, a lot of people, other people love games because it might allow them to be someone that they're not in their everyday lives yeah. or because it might allow them to do things that they can't do or, um, you know, just interact with the world in ways that they they often otherwise can't um and i think you know and it, for building friendships and stuff as well like some yeah. for some people it's really social i think that's the biggest thing that i've learned is that games us they mean such different things to so many different people um every one of those reasons and every one of those meanings is really valid and i want so strongly for the industry to provide all of those experiences all of them at the same time to everybody that wants them yep. for everybody to be able to get what they want out of games. Um, and that's happening, you know, more people are able it to see themselves yeah. in games and, and yeah. And, and games are really diverse in all senses of the word, you know, mechanics, genres, the characters, the stories they're telling. The ways in um, which we can interact with the, the physical yeah. controller or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. Going, going back to the accessibility controls from before. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that's that's the really big one. Um, I have learned about myself. I've learned that I am resilient. <laughs> I think that's what's that's what's come out of my my professional journey. Good. 
Um, yeah. And to have. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just that the games are also this incredible, incredible tool that we could all use to to interact with the world. We like everybody can learn so much from from games and you know playing games and this this really. Um, I guess unique way of storytelling that games yeah. give us that allow ourselves to kind of put ourselves in other people's shoes and see the world through a different lens. Um, and I, yeah, it's it's very very cool. Also, yeah. as I said before, you know, the industry is a great place. Yeah, it's, it's, it it's isn't, awesome but place. it is. Well, yeah, there's there's pockets that can be <laughs> a little bit problematic, but uh, yes. The overwhelming majority is a force for good. So yes. long may that continue and completely swallow up the little toxic corners that are yes. out there. Yes, ideally, yes. Some fun ones as we wrap up. If you mm-hmm. could be credited for anything, mm-hmm. if be I could involved be in the game in any capacity, just yeah. add your name into the credits Ooh, retroactively. Okay. What game would you pick? Um, I feel like the game that is most like something I would make is probably Life is Strange True Colors. Uh, it, it would either I be had Life is Strange. A nagging feeling it might have it been. It would either be yeah. well. I mean, it would either be Life is Strange: True Colors or it would be Psychonauts 2, which came out about two weeks before it. Both games that dealt with mental health in new and exciting ways, which is also something that's really important to me. Again, psychology background. Yep. So, I think they're the big ones. It was a really good two in gaming for me. That that one. Yeah, that was a good block. Yeah, you were having, you were having a party. It was awesome. I was. Yeah. And yet, I've still not played either, and I need to fix that desperately. But. Um, oh. We'll get there. Oh. Yeah, no, that's right. I'll, I'll cop the disapproving. <laughs> yeah. Um, conversely, if you go back and replay any game, strike it from your memory and Oof. get to experience it again fresh. What game mm. would you pick? Oh, And that's would a... it be Ocarina of Time considering the myriad <laughs> of playthroughs you've had so far? Um, maybe it would. I feel like it would be, I would rather something that has like a, like a twist, but I can't think of one at the moment. Um... What games Ooh. have I played With that big would twists. Big twists in them? There's plenty, um, but I'm, I've just realised, like, oh, hang on, if I say that, I'm going to spoil something. Oh, <laughs> well, um, yeah, look, it's it's probably something like Ocarina of Time. Maybe Wind Waker. It has a, a big sense of, like, awe that I think I, I would love to experience again. Such a gorgeous uh, game. It's a gorgeous mm. game. And, and plays yeah. incredibly well, too. It does. It and does. you got to play the Switch version. Oh, sorry, not the Switch version. The oh, hopefully the HD the Switch version. version, but the, the HD version. version on the Wii U. Yeah, yeah. Cut some of that ocean time down. Is the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is awesome. It's the yeah. old IGN seven point eight. Too much water. Um, <laughs> too much water. So, ah. Jess, it's been an absolute privilege to have you on the show. To be able to uh, to work alongside you, to consider you a friend. It's oh. been awesome to uh, to get to have this chat as well. To kind of get a different perspective on what I get to see on almost a day, almost a daily basis. Um, yeah. Maybe even a daily yeah. basis. I don't yeah, know. That, that chat lot. pops off fairly often, even, yeah. if, <laughs> even if it's me and Stephen just kind of butting heads over <laughs> games that... JRPGs. Yeah, yeah probably JRPGs. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's it's awesome to get to have this conversation. I'm thrilled to be able to do so. And as I said before, definitely not pumping your tyres up too much. You are <laughs> an incredible force for good in this space. And... I'm really excited for the next chapter and to continue to work alongside you for a while. Uh, wherever that next chapter is, they're not allowed to... Uh, I'm I'm declaring this, so if that mm-hmm. employer is listening, <laughs> fight me. Um, mm-hmm. You're not allowed to leave the, the writing scene. We, no. we claim you, we keep you still. Um, and then you. like you can work on whatever game you want. I don't care what it is. Go, go, go <laughs> for your life. But uh, 
we, <laughs> we still you. have, I don't know, 10% of just the time, whatever it is. Great. Um, yeah. I mean, I love that. That's, that's what I will, that's what I want for me too. So, you know. But thank you so much for coming on the show and, and sharing this journey so far. And I know we've kind of touched on a, on a, on a challenging time as well. So thank you for yeah. being open about that. And, oh, um, sure. and um, I yeah. guess as we close, I should make sure to acknowledge if anyone's uh, listening and wants to see more of what you're up to on the day to day to potentially learn about whatever that next chapter is and to mm-hmm. check out all your awesome player two stuff, uh, mm-hmm. where should people go? Uh, at the moment, it's Twitter. I, for as long as Twitter is still, you know, our thing. Um, yep. So I am at Zamagus on Twitter, or you know, all my writing and stuff is on Player Two. So you can go to playerto.net.au where you are likely finding this podcast. Um, to yeah, to see all my stuff, see my ramblings about the TV shows that I'm watching six months too late. No, that's fine. Um, <laughs> make sure to do so. As I said, I mean, we've spoken about the the game development side, but Jess is an awesome writer as well. So make sure to check oh. out all her awesome takes on. Uh, Good games, bad games, never in the middle. Um, <laughs> thank you. And I mean, that's that's where we're going to wrap uh, wrap things up. Yeah. As, as I said, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing this journey so far. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome to talk and, about this stuff with you. And listeners, as always, thank you much for listening, and I'll see you next time. Bye. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share it with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you'd like me to reach out to in an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until the next episode, however, that's been Jess's story. Thank you much for listening, and I'll see you next time.